reading today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. The first book, Theophilus wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by their own authority, but you will receive the power where the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Come, Spirit of God, take your words and write them onto our hearts. Take our meditation and help us see you in the community you love. Amen. The world paused one morning because an eight-year-old child's tank was empty. Dad was preparing to leave one morning when he noticed their youngest child standing in the bathroom, wiping his face with his back to the door. Dad paused at the door and asked if all was okay. A subtle shrug indicating sorrow and a bit of fear came from the young child. So, Dad did what parents do, sat on the floor, pulled the child onto his lap saying, you know, 
Sometimes our heart tanks feel empty and we just need them to be refilled. The child cried into dad's chest and held on tightly. Can you feel my love filling you up? Dad asks. A nod from the child and more tears. Waiting, sitting. Has it reached your toes yet? Not yet, the child says. Okay, we will sit here. We will wait for as long as it takes. Work does not matter. School does not matter. What we are doing right here, right now, this is the most important thing for today. Filling you back up to the top. Is that good? Child nods. Another minute or so. How about now? Is your heart full of love now? Yeah, child says. Okay, you are not eight. And you may not be 28, 38, or 48, but all of us, every one of us runs on empty particularly after shocking grief. So give yourself the opportunity to pause and take a moment to refill your heart, to let your heart be refilled through worship, scripture, prayer, silence, song, laughter, friends, community, even appropriate, when appropriate, hugs or elbow bumps. Refill your empty or you will, be, you will find tears, anger, and grief. Snappy words overflowing with no apparent reason. I'd like to share the words of, that I kind of hinted at in my opening comment from Reverend Dr. Diana Moffat, the President and Executive Director of our Presbyterian Mission Agency who reminded all of us in her response to Uvalde saying, we need to be reminded that Jesus wept. She writes, this pandemic of violent people with guns impacts all of us. Jesus wept, he cried, he took time to sit with his grief and we must sit in the sorrow long enough to feel it and to lament to the point that it compels us to stand up in the morning and take the steps needed to help change and heal our world. Not just criticize it, but bring healing. Filling our hearts back up to full. Sitting with sorrow reminds me that God has not abandoned any of us, though grief makes it feel like we are abandoned, even in the face of a tragedy close by or even distant. To avoid looking at tragedy means we try to avoid the hurt, but to not look means we also miss being a part, a part of the healing. Like the parents in this story, God knows just what it is what it means to sit down beside us and say, sit here, let's fill up your heart and waits with us while we hurt. 
Now from our reading this morning, Jesus' parting gift to his disciples at his ascension is not, it is not something they wanted. They wanted knowledge. They wanted the future in their hands. They wanted power, and Jesus gave them not. As they were traveling with Jesus, they heard his love command. They witnessed Jesus' resurrection appearances to all of them, but they wondered, I wondered, if they were still processing in their own heads the fact that Jesus spoke to them, but infrequently, and spoke to them as a community of followers of Christ. And then these words at his final parting, speaking to them through and as a community. The disciples, which sometimes we may forget, are not like-minded fisher folks, tax collectors, contributors. Think of the women who supported the disciples, the various different vocations, and then even the fishermen fighting amongst themselves. Who's going to be first instead of the right hand and the left hand of Jesus? Before our reading from Acts, Jesus had not stayed with his disciples. There are only a handful of appearances amongst 40 days. So I wonder what those disciples were doing in between these, those appearances. Maybe they were trying to organize Jesus's next appearance. You know, more people need to be there. We don't just need to see Jesus. We need to make sure that other people see us seeing Jesus. Maybe they were competing over who would get Jesus's attention where he might appear, how they should set things up. This is conjecture, it's fun. I'm just looking at the church worldwide, wondering if the disciples were kind of sort of like us. How can we control when Jesus is going to appear next? Not. But were they getting down to what Jesus had taught them during their three years together? Feed my sheep love one another sometimes it's just easier to look above at god rather than looking side to side at and with each other maybe they kind of forgot that shepherd's voice and instead of staring, maybe they should have been listening in silence, shoring up their heart tanks to get back to the loving Jesus commanded them to do. Jesus' ascension in the Gospel of Luke chapter 24 includes Jesus saying, look guys, I'm sending to you what my father promised, but you are to stay together in the city until you have been furnished with heavenly power. We'll look at that next week. But just imagine the, the disciples scratching their head going, what? What is this? So I'd like to talk through a picture with you about Jesus's final parting gift to his disciples. The drawing shown is the artwork of Robert Park, 
who was a volunteer in mission with the Anglican Church in the Diocese of Polynesia in Suva, Fiji. Robert was an American working with the church in the years of healing and restoration, attempts at restoration, after a political coup in Suva, the capital city of Fiji. As an American, Robert saw the many cultures of the Pacific Islands, cultures that were not his own. He saw them at work within his own diocese, within the community surrounding Suva and all of Fiji, and he observed the struggle for unity within a church and churches representing so many varied island cultures. Now, you and I possibly, and I'm not going to do it, but I live there. You might possibly say Pacific Island, one culture. Oh, goodness gracious, every island is different and the peoples are different. Robert was commissioned by the Bishop of Polynesia to use visual metaphors that retold the Easter tide stories, the resurrection stories of Jesus, demonstrating the difference that his pictures would demonstrate the differences making up the Pacific Island culture in Fiji. His book of drawings called Manna, meaning Christ's abiding presence, resurrection to Pentecost, was to show how Christ transcends differences and within different settings than we would traditionally expect. We have pictures in our head that we had from Sunday school and we've carried forward and possibly haven't re-examined. What did that ascension look like? Great devotion, looking up. So Robert drew this picture. A bit of background. Number one. He lived in a time in Fiji when unity was exceedingly complicated. Have you ever experienced that? Unity in community is always complicated. It is not easy. Fiji at the time, now Fiji for centuries, has been a nation with two dominant people, the indigenous Fijians and the Indo-Fijians. When Fiji was colonized by the British, they the British took laborers from India, sent them to Fiji, and they worked the fields and the ports. When the English left Fiji in 72, it was a democratic society. People from all over the Pacific Islands resided in Suva not just because of its size, but universities, the seminary. This is where people of multiple cultures lived. In the general election in 1986, an Indo-Fijian, whose family had lived in Fiji for generations, was elected to be prime minister. In an effort by the nation to heal their racial divide, and then there was a coup. It followed months after the election, and it was painful. It was a bloodless coup, but people were so disappointed they thought they had gotten beyond this. Robert Park was in Fiji during the season of unrest, and as an American, he saw, as an outsider, he saw 
where unity and community could be, yet was not. This scene is Jesus' ascension. And Jesus is embracing one of the disciples in a mode, because there are lines of the three other people who also want to be hugged, in the mode of, okay, you're next, and you're next. It's not just one person. And each of these people represented Robert portrays a different island culture represented by life in Suva. Jesus, which you can tell by the halo, is Fijian. Because I live there, I know by how he is wearing his Sulu and his, how his hair is shaped, his shirt is untucked. This represents Fiji. Robert shows Jesus hugging his disciples with the parting gift of not just a farewell, but the parting gift of unity. Because that is actually really hard. So it needs to be a gift. First, Jesus is hugging a disciple from Tonga who is wearing the traditional Tavalova waist mat. With his back to us is a Samoan disciple who is bringing as a parting gift to Jesus a handmade floor mat, the traditional farewell gift. And waiting for Jesus is an Indo-Fijian woman wearing a sari, carrying a handmade lay representing the culture of Fiji. Behind her is a European. I love the fact that Robert let me be in this picture. She's sleeveless, which was actually of ill repute in Fiji, which I ignored. She's wearing a wristwatch, which I wear, because we European descendants tend to be so conscious of time as a limited understanding. She is the only one wearing shoes. She has the tr traditional Fiji wear of flip-flops because it's always so blooming, rainy, and, and wet. You don't want to wear your leather shoes. Nobody else is wearing shoes because the culture of respect says no shoes. I could never go there. I had to be who I was. In this parting, every person from different cultures is sitting right there. Each person brings a gift, each person receives a gift to carry on the mission that Jesus has given to them and us in their place. Now, each person in this picture, Robert's picture, it's familiar to him, it's familiar to me, and it's absolutely unknown to you. So I ask you then, please, to now take those people out. Leave Jesus, but what does Jesus look like in your mind? Then ask yourself why. Then choose four people to stand with you in greeting Jesus. What do they look like? Do they look like you? Do they think like you? And I believe that is what Robert Parks wanted to bring us to. Not admiring a lovely picture and not stopping and for me to remember and for you possibly to learn a Pacific Island diversity. But where is the diversity 
that we know with people we would not want standing next to us, farewelling Jesus. Now, Jesus' ascension, farewell gift, departing gift is a gift to us. The Spirit will come upon you. That's next week. What is our gift to Jesus? Are we willing to stand with somebody we don't want to in front of Jesus? Not with the young boys, no, things are not all right, but with our hearts full of, yes, I can do this. Jesus did not call us to be like-minded disciples. Instead, his parting community at that time, 2,000 years ago, to a rough community of newly formed Christ followers who didn't have a clue, his parting gift to us is the same. We're still rough. We are still, though we have our scripture, we're still learning how to be community. Unity does not need to be like-minded people. It needs to be the recognition that we, with our differences, are called to adore our God. And does that mean that our back might be a little bit too straight because I'm a little uncomfortable standing here next to this person? Sure, become. That's the unity that Christ calls us into. And remember, this isn't an off-the-spur-of-the-moment speech. Jesus prayed this in John 17. Jesus prayed to God, his beloved parent. Can you make them one? In fact, you already have made them one. As you and I are one, they are one. Father, you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. And within that circle of they, there are going to be people you don't like. And you know what? God's already prayed for us. The Gospel of John puts these words into the lips of Jesus before, just, just before he is betrayed by these very friends with whom he is farewelling, just before he is betrayed and abandoned by the, by the very same. Make them one. So it's not a deserved gift that we have of being one. It's something the creator of the universe, Jesus, prayed. And therefore, it is. Common unity has already been prayed for by God. And when God prays, Imagine that. Sometimes we have to sit before the creator of the universe, even sitting in grief, even sitting squirming. God, this is a little bit uncomfortable. God smiles. Sitting while listening to negotiations before getting back to work, coming back to the conversation that we left. Oneness is very, very complicated, but it is Jesus' parting gift to us so that we can return the gift to him of getting back to work. When we look above for Jesus, as we often do, when we look above for God, just as the disciples did in this story, saying, oh, look, there goes Jesus, and the angel came in. 
we too will be redirected to look inside and beside us to find understanding of who God is, to find God as advocate, supporter, promoter, activist, campaigner, encourager, and backer to what we are already doing, the nudging, get back to work. Sometimes we get new sight, new encouragement, the wind of the Spirit. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses. No conditional clauses. When Jesus prays, it happens. So don't just stare at heaven and ask God to get moving. God is moving through you. Advocate, supporter, activist, campaigner, encourager, already at work through you. And through your neighbor. Now does that cause a little disunity? We know that. How are we going to handle that? God, I thought we kind of knew the way here. Jesus left us and those first disciples to discover God in, among, and through each other. Does that take sometimes a bit of rethinking? It does. It means there will be mistakes, there will be mess ups, there will be confusion, there will be disorder. To God be the glory. Amen. <laughs>